Would you open God's precious holy word to 2 Kings 17? I, I finished these slides a couple of weeks ago and I didn't realize how unfortunate that would sound tonight. The fall of Israel. This is the end of the account, except for in a couple of weeks, a, a brief mention of how Israel fell. But this is the final account in this lengthy study we've been in in Kings and Chronicles. The final account of the northern kingdom of Israel. So we're in chapter 17, and we're concentrated on the northern kingdom tonight. I have a series of, I don't know if we're going to be able to see these or not, but I have a series of maps here. This is the way the divided kingdom was when Jeroboam broke free with the 10 northern tribes from Rehoboam, the grandson of David. The red is Judah, the whatever that is, green, I guess, is Israel. And you'll note Samaria is almost due north, slightly to the west of Jerusalem. Those are the two capital cities. And a couple of notes here, primarily how a sanctuary was built by Jeroboam in Bethel and then up here in Dan. On that side, on, on the eastern side is where those early, some of those early tribes stayed and they didn't go over and cross over into the promised land, but that still was part of the northern kingdom of Israel. You'll note some things here that are relative to what's happening today. Uh, Gaza, here to the west where Philistia is, well, there's a Gaza Strip. We'll see more about that, I think, here in these maps that I have. Shoot, that one's kind of hard to see, isn't it? Pastels don't, at least it is for me. I'm colorblind. A little more detailed map showing Aram and the capital of Aram, which is Damascus. Aram today is Syria. Up here, in the northern part of the northern kingdom, uh, Phoenicia and all, Tyre. That's Lebanon, sort of over in there, Lebanon and Syria today. Jordan is down here. Um, and uh, Iran is over here and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so again, you see Jerusalem with the star. Let's see if I can get this thing. There's Jerusalem right there, right there. And then up here with the star is Samaria, the capital of uh, the northern kingdom. So this is pretty much how it's been until Assyria begins. And at this point in time, Assyria is really kind of out of this picture, but it's just a small, uh, a small type of empire. Uh, but they, they become aggressive and uh, begin to move out. 
another one which shows where the tribes were, the 12 tribes. And you'll see that Reuben and Gad and Manasseh settled on, on the uh, eastern side of the Jordan while the other tribes went ahead and crossed over. Uh, now, this is, this is the map to designate where the 12 tribes were. But having viewed the previous slides, you get an idea of the 10 northern tribes and how they separated from, from uh, the southern kingdom that became known as Judah. Now, here we see, I bet you can't really see those boundary colors. Assyria begins to assert itself, becomes an empire under Shalmaneser III, and it has one set of boundaries, which is purple, I guess. Is that purple? It's blue or purple or something. Anyway, that's, that's, those, that's the boundary of the Assyrian Empire under Shalmaneser III. And then this next color. It's kind of pale orange. Pale orange. Uh, under the Assyrian Empire under Ashurbanipal. And uh, that's when the kingdom of Judah here with the green. Now I can see that. That's green, isn't it? Is it? Uh, the green boundary is the kingdom of Judah, and it became a tributary to Assyria during that time. Okay, so then here's what happens. Assyria goes to work even more. And so the Assyrian Empire expand, is expanded under the aggressive leadership of these kings. And they're mentioned in our studies. You may remember some of them. And boy, those colors will, okay. Um, you see what they are. The first deportation of uh, Israelites under Tiglath-Pileser, and then it follows under Shalmaneser and Sargon. And this is, I mean, they've overwhelmed, they overwhelm the northern kingdom and they just assimilate the 10 northern tribes into their own population and mix them with other people. That's why they called the, the 10 lost tribes. God knows where they are, but uh, historically they became known as the 10 lost tribes. So at that point, here is, here is the Assyrian Empire, and then it moves on, on uh, the northern kingdom of Israel there. And you see Judah is right below it there. And, and the Assyrian Empire swells itself on out to here and a little bit up that way and a little bit out that way. Elam is uh, Persia and the Medes, and this pretty much becomes Iran in, modern, in the modern uh, map. Of course, Egypt is always Egypt down there at the lower left of, uh, of the map. So this is a modern map of Israel. Now you will see Jerusalem, of course, and the West Bank. Now, why is it, it? You know, it looks like it's on the east part of Jerusalem. Why is it called? Well, it's the West Bank of the Jordan River. All right, that's why it's the West Bank. You see the Gaza Strip almost in the middle, slightly to the left, and the Gaza Strip is what's all in the news right now. Uh, there's the West Bank, and then on up, Israel goes all the way up, and then there's Lebanon and Syria. 
and all of that down through the West Bank. That became part of the Assyrian Empire, uh, even well into the southern kingdom. But Hezekiah's, Hezekiah's Jerusalem and much of Judah was spared when, those, when an angel came and killed 185,000 of the, of the uh, Assyrian troops. It wasn't God's design for Assyria to capture Judah who carried the promise of the Christ, the throne on which sat the son of David. But this is the more or less modern map up until the Gaza Strip thing. But let's see how it came about this way. Maybe you already know this stuff. But uh, we're looking here at uh, a more detailed map. And there were... Previously, a couple of major wars the, in 67, the Six-Day War and the Yom Kippur War of October in 73, which is the time, of, the time of year that we're in now. And that involves the West Bank. It involves the Sinai Peninsula down here at the bottom lower left. And of course, Gaza, which became known as the Gaza Strip when it separated out from the Sinai Peninsula through war victory by Israel. Keep in mind that our Lord Christ said that Jerusalem would be trodden down under the feet of Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles would be fulfilled. So while Israel goes and wins all these wars and wins all of this land, Gentile powers come in and make them give some of it back and they carve it up and all this kind of stuff. Well, here are the territories occupied by Israel following the Six-Day War. They were attacked by Egypt and Jordan and all these people that were surrounded them attacked them, attacked them, and they won the Sinai Peninsula and part of it, which became known as the Gaza Strip, the Golan Heights, and the West Bank. And uh, through the brokerage of so-called peace treaties, they had to give the Sinai Peninsula back to Egypt, but they kept the Gaza Strip. And it, it since then, has been, they've been forced to give Palestinians authority in the Gaza Strip because this was going to make peace, you understand. This was going to give security to Israel if they give the Gaza Strip to those people. And then the West Bank, there's been all kind of fuss about that. They had to give the Golan Heights back, all that kind of thing, back to Syria and all so we go on from there. Ah, you can't read that. I bet the white, I'll have to read it for you. In the lightest shade of whatever pastel that is, that was Israel's territory before the Six Day War. So the real light shade there. The next, <laughs> the next darker shade, I'm, I'm colorblind. Pastels throw me off. Uh, you may not have figured it out yet. That was what was held by Israel after the Six-Day War. Now go, now I think that's probably, is that red, the next one? Held by Egypt after the Yom Kippur War. So, uh, then held by Israel after the Yom Kippur War is that next shade. It looks practically like the red one. I don't know. Whatever it is. This is how Israel had expanded its, its land. 
And you can see how the Sinai Peninsula created a buffer between Israel and Egypt and Egypt. And look at 6th day war of 73. Right before that, now Egypt was a, a vassal state of the Soviet Union back in those days. Um, Nasser, who was the Egyptian leader? Nasser or somebody, I forget who it was. Uh, he was a communist. Egypt was communist and they were totally controlled by the Soviet Union. And so part of our tour was to go to Egypt and ride a camel up to the pyramids and do all this stuff, which we did. <laughs> but we were, we had Egyptian soldiers all around us with submachine guns everywhere we went. We couldn't get out of our, uh, we couldn't get out of our hotel rooms. I, I roomed with a a young guy, he was 28 years old, a single guy, but he was the principal of Nottasalga High School. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, I don't know. He was a neat guy. But as the Lord would have it, we were on the second floor, just right over this square, where, <laughs> where belly dancers performed all night long. Boy, they could wiggle too. But we couldn't get out of our... Uh, we couldn't get out of our room, thank heaven, because when you looked at Egyptians, they gave you a nasty look. So you just kind of went, whistle and look the other way. But I remember the tension that was there. That was right before that uh, Yom Kippur War in the fall when we were there in the summer. So this was a buffer for Israel. They were happy with that, which included the Gaza Strip. West Bank was a buffer. Jordan used to be a hot enemy of Israel. They were always involved in those wars against Israel. As was Syria. Lebanon was mostly kind of neutral until Syria and other radical Arabs took it over. But the West Bank and the Golan Heights, this was a buffer between the enemies there. But the Gentile powers that existed, America included, forced Israel to give back the Sinai Peninsula to Egypt, separating the Gaza Strip for Palestinians. And then the West Bank, it came to be that they just didn't want to surrender that completely. So they began to put settlements in the West Bank and they've tried to force uh, Israel to surrender all of those settlements. They did surrender their settlements in the Gaza Strip and the Golan Heights. So it gives you an idea of where it's been. It's just been back and forth. It's, and it's always been to the detriment of Israel, frankly. They can win their war, uh, but uh, they, they, they always had to give stuff back. So modern Israel then would be, um, do I have another map slide on down there? I don't have another one. Okay, I thought I had a more modern uh, map of Israel, which would show them today. But you get an idea, Sinai Peninsula is not part of it, that's part of Egypt. But the Gaza Strip there, you can see that, the Gaza Strip, that's where all the heated action is right now. And if you go up from there to where Syria is, toward the Golan Heights and Lebanon, they are hot enemies of Israel. And the news is that Iran is sending all kind of armament into Syria and Lebanon and soldiers as well. They are expecting and may have already today, I don't know, may have already opened up a, a second front, which would be on the north. And um, 
then they're also fearful, Israel is, of a third front, which would make things very, very difficult uh, for uh, Israel in a conventional war. Now, this gives you an idea of all of this stuff that's gone on since the, since the division of the kingdom and the northern kingdom. And we come down to this part today. Hopefully it makes a little more sense when we read the account. The 12th year of Ahaz, the king of Judah, Hoshe, the son of Elah, reigned over Israel for nine years. He did what was evil in the eyes of Yahweh, uh, though not like the kings of Israel who had preceded him. Shalmaneser, the king of Assyria, went up against him. Hoshe became his vassal. He paid him tribute. And the king of Assyria found conspiracy. Now, later on, uh, Hezekiah, who was, who was the king in, after Uzziah died and Hezekiah becomes king, and it was during the time of Isaiah. Uh, and he also, Hezekiah became a vassal. He paid tribute to Assyria so that they wouldn't attack. But that's, we'll get to that in another time. King of went up against him. Hoshe became his vassal. He paid him tribute. The king of Assyria found conspiracy in Hoshe. That he sent messengers to Saul, the king of Egypt. And did not pay tribute to the king of Assyria as year by year. And the king of Assyria arrested him and confined him in prison. And the king of Assyria went up through the entire land. And he went up to Samaria and besieged it three years. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria. Uh, in, the, in the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria took Samaria. And exiled the Israelites to Assyria. And he repatriated them in Hala and in Habor the Gozan River and the cities of Media. Okay, if you think of those maps, we're talking about up to the north of that part and then over uh, toward the east. And it was when the and some to the west. And it was when the sons of Israel sinned to Yahweh their God, the God of their fathers, or, the, or to their God, who brought them up from the land of Egypt, from under the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and they feared other gods. They followed the statutes of nations. Now, this is how they crumbled and lost their national identity through the judgment of God. And we've been watching it for weeks. They followed the statutes of the nations whom Yahweh had driven out from before the sons of Israel and of the kings of Israel that they practiced. Okay. Israel, you might say, had a constitution. They had, they had their statutes and their laws. They were a nation. But they began to neglect that. And they followed the traditions uh, and uh, statutes of other nations. This totally ignored their own culture, which was supposed to keep them more or less connected to Yahweh. The sons of Israel fabricated things which were not so about Yahweh their God. And they built themselves high places in all their cities from watchtower to fortified cities. So they, 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 they told false stories and, and built false um, uh, accounts about Yahweh so that a, a younger generation coming up didn't think so much of Yahweh. Because they had followed other nations' 
and they were enjoying the so-called uh, freedom of worship, if you want to call it that, uh, with these other cultures and uh, pagan gods and goddesses, fabricated things which were not so about Yahweh their God, and they built themselves high places in all their cities. So they diminished the importance and truthfulness of Yahweh, who he is, what their relationship is supposed to be to them. And, uh, you know, so, you know, okay, let's just say that in our nation, we have fabricated things and they're taught in our schools and we fabricated them. We just made them up. Evolution, for example. You can't prove that. A theory is not a fact. A theory is just a guess. That's all it is. And uh, in more modern days, the, uh, the fabrications of, of uh, sexual identity or whatever you want to say about it, just fabricating these things and make, th- make them up and throw all of this into the face of Yahweh, who is the God who brought us as a nation to where we are, even into the pinnacle of power among nations. They erected for themselves monuments and asherim on every high hill and every and under every green tree. So was it in New York City? And in, in not too long ago, they, they built a, a, a temple to Baal. And then in, most recently in New Jersey, I forgot the monument they built there to some goddess or something. These people are crazy. Well, this, is, this, this shows you, <laughs> this shows you the path that people follow when they have rejected the true and living God. This is the path that they follow. It's all demonic. They burned incense there on all the high places like the nations that the Lord or Yahweh had exiled from before them. And they did evil things to anger Yahweh. They were, now this goes on for a few decades. This is not just something that happens in one generation. So the Lord, Yahweh, he seethes in his anger toward what they're doing. It just keeps going. Nobody seems to want to correct it. They worship the idols which Yahweh had said to them, you shall not do this thing. Yahweh warned Israel and Judah through all the prophets of all the visions saying, repent of your evil ways and keep my commandments, my statutes, according to the entire law that I commanded your forefathers and that I sent to you through my servants, the prophets. But they did not heed and they hardened their nape like the nape of their forefathers who did not believe in Yahweh their God. They despised his statutes, his covenant, and he enacted with their, that he had enacted with their forefathers and his warnings that he had warned them. And they followed worthless things and they became worthless. And after the nations that were around them concerning whom Yahweh had commanded them not to do like them, but they did. So they became useless, worthless. God, who separates his people, who places his name on his people, and who has protected and blessed their forefathers, and there comes generation then and then the next generation, and and they just totally ignore God. He can't bless that because it looks to the world like he has, he's blessing the sin of his people and he's going against his own word. He won't do that. Yahweh can't. He won't do that. He had commanded them not to do that, yet they did it anyway. They forsook all the commandments of Yahweh their God and made for themselves two molten calves. And they made an Asherah. They prostrated themselves before the entire host of the heavens 
and they worship the Baal. They pass their sons and daughters through the fire. That's molech, child abuse, child sacrifice. They practiced enchantment and divination, and they committed themselves to do what was evil in the eyes of Yahweh, to anger him. And Yahweh became very much incensed against Israel. And he sent them away from before him. None was left but the tribe of Judah alone. Neither did Judah observe the commandments of Yahweh their God. And they followed the practice of Israel that they did. And Yahweh despised all the seed of Israel. And he afflicted them. Delivered them into the hands of plunderers. Until he cast them away from before him. For Israel had torn away from the house of David had appointed Jeroboam the son of Nebat as king, and Jeroboam led Israel astray from following Yahweh and caused them to commit a grave sin. The sons of Israel followed all the sins of Jeroboam that he committed. They never stopped. They did not turn away from it. You see, it's like when they separated themselves from the promised seed of David. It just got worse and worse. They did not turn away from it until Yahweh removed Israel from his presence as he had spoken through all of his servants, the prophets and Israel, went in exile from their land to Assyria until this day. All right, now, Assyrians, the descendants of the Assyrians occupy parts of Palestine where the Gaza Strip is. They occupy Syria, Most of Lebanon, they go into the southern tip of Iraq and all the way over into Iran. So all this stuff has never stopped. It still goes on. And of course, Yahweh has a purpose for all of it. Uh, But we're we're seeing some of it just right before our eyes today. All that goes all the time. The resettlement of Israel now from, from verses 24 through 41. King of Assyria brought people from Babylonia, from Kuta, from Ava, and from Hamat, and from Sepharvaim. And he settled them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they took possession of Samaria and dwelt in its cities. So these people who weren't Israelites took over Israel. They just came in and took all the people's land and took their homes, took their cities. Just set up shop. It was in the beginning of their dwelling there that they did not fear Yahweh. And Yahweh sent lions against them. And they were killing them. And they said to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations that you exiled and settled in the cities of Samaria do not know the justice of the God of the land. He has incited lions against them. And behold, they're killing them as they do not know the law of the God of the land. And the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Bring there one of the priests whom I have exiled from there, and let them go and dwell there, and teach them the law of the God of the land. And one of the priests whom they had exiled from Samaria came and settled in Bethel, and he would direct them in how they should fear Yahweh. That's strange. That's just really strange. Well, we took them over, but these people are still wanting to have some kind of religion that, uh, that apparently appears something like their forefathers. And so we'll, we'll take one of these strange priests uh, who knows something about Yahweh and he's going to come and teach them something about how to fear Yahweh because all of these things, are, lions are killing them. These, I mean, nature's turning against them. This is not their land. This is the land 
of Israel, the descendants of Abraham. Well, it goes on then. Now each nation made its God and they placed it in the temple of the high places that the people of Samaria had made, each nation in their cities wherein they were dwelling. And the people of Babylonia made Sukkot Benot and the people of Kuth made Nergal and the people of Hamat made Ashima. And the Avites made Nibhaz and Tartak. And the the Sepharvites burnt their children in fire to Adramelech and Anamelech, the gods of Sepharvim. They feared Yahweh and they made some of them priests of the high places and they would practice their rites in the temple of the high places. They feared Yahweh, yet they worshiped their own gods. As was the custom of the nations whom they had exiled from there. And until this day, they practice just as their earlier practices. They don't fear Yahweh. Neither do they practice according to the statutes and laws, nor according to the law and commandment that Yahweh commanded the sons of Jacob, whose name he called Israel. And Yahweh enacted a covenant with them saying, you shall not fear other gods, nor shall you prostrate yourselves to them and worship them. You shall not slaughter sacrifices to them. Only Yahweh, who brought you up from the land of Egypt with great might and with an outstretched arm, him shall you fear. Him shall you prostrate yourselves, and to him shall you slaughter sacrifices. And let the statutes and judgments and the law and the commandment that he wrote for you, you shall heed to perform all ti- at all times. And you shall not fear strange gods. And the covenant that I enacted with you, you shall not forget. Neither shall you fear strange gods. But Yahweh their God you shall fear and he will deliver you from the, land, from the hand of your enemies. But they didn't obey that. But according to their earlier practice they were doing, they never stopped. Even, even judgment didn't stop them. And these, and these nations feared Yahweh. <clears throat> Yet they worshiped their graven images, also their children and their grandchildren. As their forefathers had done, they are doing until this day. Now, This is the end of the northern kingdom of Israel. Even after displacement, no repentance, just keep worshiping those gods, apparently, apparently content with what's happening to them. All they had to do was repent, call upon God. They wouldn't do it. They would not repent. Hosea speaks of this, who is the prophet at the latter time of of, uh, Israel at their fall. Hosea speaks of how the people just wouldn't, wouldn't repent. There was, there was no repentance in their heart, no, no softness in their hearts at all. They had no care at all. And Yahweh knows this. Yahweh knows when they reach a point that there's no return. And so from that day until this day, they've been dispersed. Those 10 tribes have been dispersed uh, among the nations and they have, uh, the, the, they have suffered greatly through their history. Another time, and probably not too far away, will come when they will finally come in national repentance. But it only comes in the latter part of the last half of the tribulation. When they call upon the one whom, they look upon the one whom they pierced, Zechariah. And repentance goes from family unit to individual. It goes all the way through, even to the individual they all repent and then Jesus comes again in power and in glory. But from then until now, this same judgment is upon those who are called the, the 10 lost tribes. Now, in Jesus' day, 
The Jews despise the Samaritans. But it's interesting because that's rather hypocritical. In the due course of time, as we finish, complete the studies of 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, we're going to see that Judah, just in a few decades, will go the same path of the northern kingdom of Israel. They will come under that same judgment. And uh, the only difference is they maintain their Jewish identity uh, because they carry the promise of the Christ. And that was the, that was the law and the custom of Nebuchadnezzar. That's why Babylon was permitted to take them into captivity and not Assyria. So then, in the time of Jesus' day, they, they cursed at and spit upon Samaritans, wouldn't go anything, you know. But their forefathers committed the same sins. I mean, you know, they did the same thing. And I suppose you get right down to it. The Samaritans had just as much right to spit back, I guess, if they wanted to. But this is the story of the demise of the northern kingdom and the final fall. The fall uh, and the final judgment of God upon them who has dispersed them among the nations. And in the last times, they'll be regathered. Uh, God knows where they are. As a matter of fact, uh, I read up a lot on this stuff and... They say that some of the tribe of Dan and some of the tribe of Levi, descendants of those tribes, have been, uh, have been discovered and others as well. I can't remember all that I've read about it. But anyway, okay. So we come to this tonight, which carries us into the fall. We also see that those same people are still there, even tonight, doing the same thing, seeking the destruction of the covenant people of God. Well, we're going to stop there and we'll have our uh, deacon prayer time.